When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mirror Man, Mirror Man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am on my own today. We're doing a solo uh, early bird for the Patreons and uh, just a before the whistle because on Christmas Day, sometimes things get a little bit boring. You need to sneak out, you need to go for a walk, and you need something in your ears Arsenal-related. So uh, I'm going to go solo. You know I like going solo. I don't like to be on the podcast all the time with Johnny and Matt in my ear, being realists, or you know whatever their game is that particular day. Sometimes I like to have the, the floor to myself because nobody can disagree with me, uh, and that works well for my ego. I'm here from St. Louis today. Um, if you're watching on the video, if I lean back a little bit, you can see I've got a white Christmas coming, my first ever white Christmas. It is negative 17 degrees Celsius today, I, an unfathomable temperature. The only time I've ever experienced that before is in Alaska with the bald eagles, but uh, there's no bald eagles here, but there's a lot of very cold people, um, which is uh, which is not good, but still a white Christmas. You cannot argue it, um, but you don't want to hear me talking about weather for 20, 25 minutes today. You want to hear us talking a little bit about the Arsenal because there's a West Ham game coming up. The Premier League season is about to, to kick off again. And I think there are some interesting things to talk about um, because we've never had a mid-season break before. You know, we don't operate like Germany who take two, three weeks off um, mid-season to allow their, their core product to recuperate so they're not all injured and broken going into the final stretch of the season. Um, interestingly, I don't think Germany goes back until something like the 23rd of January. So they're having a mid-season World Cup break and then a mid-season break. Uh, you'd have to imagine that there will be some crunch on fixtures there, and that can't be too good for the players' legs. But regardless, we are back. Um, <clears throat> we're already back with some games in uh, in England. The Carabao Cup was played earlier in the week. And um, I think that that is going to be my hottest of takes. Let's go into uh, 
the AOP hottest of takes. Who's it going to? It's going to you, Pedro. You never get the first one. Yeah, no, I'm talking to myself like uh, Adebayor in the third person. Um, so my hottest of take this week is that the mid-season break is going to throw up a few surprises. We watched Manchester City play Liverpool in the Carabao Cup and um, neither team were particularly good. So, you know, point one, getting back into form after four or five weeks off is going to be difficult. And I think that that's going to cause some teams problems. I think, you know, maybe teams like Leeds that weren't winning a lot of games before the break um, and don't have a lot of players at the World Cup might come back back firing. Teams like Manchester City, um, who had a lot of players at the World Cup, might struggle to hit form. And uh, who knows what's going to happen with Arsenal? You know, it's it's always difficult going out of the break in incredible form and then being expected to to, to come back and, and hit the ground running. I think um, I think Arsenal have got the youngest starting 11 in the league, just shy of 24. And that works one of two ways. The first way is you start well, the confidence just erupts and you know nothing other than winning. And that's what we've had in the first half of the Premier League season, our biggest points haul uh, in the history of the Premier League. So you can see what confidence does for young players. But what we haven't seen is what happens if we get off to a bad start against Newcastle? How is that going to rattle us? But we'll talk about that um, a little bit later. I think the other part of the hottest of takes and looking at that Manchester City versus Liverpool game is James Milner went off on 40 minutes uh, with an injury and Nathan Ake was uh, rubbing a hamstring. Uh, I know that he stayed on, but reality is if you're rubbing a hamstring something is tweaked and I think you might see a few uh, a few broken down cars uh, like putting the Alfa Romeo in the garage for the winter and then coming back and things aren't working out exactly as planned um, so I think the injuries are going to be a problem heading into like a busy end of December and a busy January so Arsenal have got to be really careful going into um, that West Ham game because no doubt there'll be players behind the scenes that came back to training that weren't quite right. There'll be players that have been at the World Cup that maybe haven't looked after themselves on their little break. And uh, Mikel Arteta has got to resist the urge to roll the dice on on West Ham. We did it last year. Um, Tommy Asu, a prime example. Arsenal knew that he had calf problems. And Arteta played him and played him and played him when he should have rotated him with Cedric, especially during the December period. But he didn't. And I think we picked up a, a, a mid-December injury with Tommy Asu. Then he came back for the Manchester City game and we didn't see him again for five months. Um, the, the difficulty with rotating players is sometimes a win turns into a draw and sometimes a draw turns into a loss. But ultimately... Uh, you can lose a battle, but you've got all of your men fit for the war. And I think we don't have a squad big enough um, to fight a war on limited resources. Uh, and, and there are certain players that really are key there. I mean, Thomas Party is irreplaceable. I think that going into the second half of the season, um, we'll be better equipped. I think Mo Oneni is a lot better than people remember. I mean, he came into the side uh, last year off next to no games. We beat Chelsea, we beat United, we beat West Ham. Like He was part of that run and he did a really good job. I think he's very adequate and he's uh, he's experienced. 10, 12 games, maybe, but 
20 games, you know, you're looking at trouble. You're not looking at a, a title contending race. Thomas Partey is the most important player at Arsenal, in my opinion. And then uh, uh, Aaron Ramsdale seemed like the most important player. I know that resting goalkeepers really doesn't matter, but uh, he was he, he looked like he was struggling in a few games last season. But I, I think Matt Turner's come back a, a, a different name. Uh, and then you've got Gabby Jesus, and we've already lost him. So we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, what happens there. Anyway, my hottest of takes is I think that it's going to be really difficult for certain teams coming back, um, and I think that we're going to see some surprise results over the first um, three weekends worth of games. I mean, I would not want to be Tottenham Hotspur going into uh, a Brentford away game uh, without Benson Core, without Romero, with a Harry Kane that might have a bit of a World Cup hangover. I mean, that's that's definitely a game to watch. And even Manchester City versus Leeds, you just don't know what Leeds you're going to get. And um, on their day, they can rattle teams. Um, you know, they've got a really good counter-attack. They've got a lot of young, live-wire players. And they've got, a, a you know, a, a pretty decent coach who will have had a lot of time to implement more of his ideas. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the, the teams without players do and the, without World Cup players do and how the teams that do have World Cup players do. But we'll talk about that more later. Let's get into the first subject. We're going to talk contracts. Um, the the three kings, as I'm calling them, uh, because of the festive nature of the reference. William Saliba, Gabriel Martinelli and Bukayo Saka all need uh, new deals at Arsenal. And none of them have signed those deals. And it starts to get a little bit worrying. Um, everything that I hear is calm. So I don't think Arsenal are overly concerned that any of those players are, are looking to push for moves away from the club. And really, why would you? I mean, when you are 20, 21 years old, the most important thing for you is minutes, uh, a manager that believes in you, uh, a manager that can make you better. Um, and a system that suits your skills. And it's really difficult to think of um, a club in the world that is better suited to all three of them. I mean, it, the only way is up for those players. So you go to Manchester City, you know, they all know what's happened to Jack Grealish. He's gone from an Aston Villa side where everything was built around everything that he's good at. And he's, he's kind of tanked. I mean, I watched him in the week and I, I just get real uh, real Nicolas Pepe vibes from Jack Grealish. And it's a shame because he was one of the most exciting, vibrant players in the Premier League. But he's taken the £100 million move. Maybe he hasn't been able to deal with the pressure of playing a, a bigger club. Or maybe the system just doesn't suit him. Maybe he doesn't have the requisite football intelligence to be the player that Pep Guardiola wants him to be. And as a result, he's struggled and he's, you know, he's being called a bum on Twitter and nobody wants to be called a bum on Twitter on the regular. So I'm not saying that our players would leave and fail, but if they do leave Arsenal, they will have to go into, I don't want to say a more competitive environment, but I think that that's what, I think that's what it is at Manchester City. There's world-class players in every single position and just because there are Saliba ultras out there doesn't mean you're going to start for Manchester City. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to start for, I mean, maybe a PSG. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more about Manchester City because these three talents um, are talents that are only fit for, for certain teams. But, you know, um, Saka and Gabriel Martinelli attract interest from Liverpool. I just, I just don't know whether they would have the same 
impact there or you know even if there's like six months of bedding in um it could be a problem and i think i think liverpool were a bit of a threat for me for some of these players i mean we've watched jürgen klopp call gabriel martinelli talent of the century we've listened to him slobbering over the player um on a regular basis and i'm sure he's put feelers out to gabriel martinelli's agent to suggest that maybe he could go to liverpool but again Liverpool is a risky option now. Uh, all of the, the the their top top backroom team have exited the building. Um, you know they've lost two sporting directors. They lost Michael Edwards, the man who was responsible for persuading Klopp that Julian Brandt wasn't the player he should go for. It was Mo Salah. So he leaves the building last summer, and the only reason that you leave Liverpool is because you you are you are being disrespected in some way. You don't have the power that you think that you deserve. So Michael Edwards left. And I said at the time that that should be worrying Liverpool fans. Then the replacement has now gone. I mean, did he oversee Darwin Nunes for 100 million or was he told that he had to sign Darwin Nunes for 100 million? But either way, the talent idea of Liverpool has gone from being a star on almost every signing to, you know, it's looking very C+. It's looking very C+, at the moment. I mean, could you imagine... Eddie Nketiah having a performance like Darwin Nunes did against Manchester City. He was dragging balls wide. He was hitting the post from ridiculously easy angles. He, To be honest, he reminded me of Adebayor when he first joined Arsenal. Absolute donkey. An absolute donkey. When you spend £100 million on a striker, they need to be electric. They need to be Erling Haaland levels. That's the only way you can justify it. You can't be spending £100 million on a rough diamond. They could have had, you know, Liverpool of old would have had three players that were heading towards world class for that hundred million pound, and now they're just blowing Hollywood money on um, on YouTube reels. I mean, even on the YouTube reels, I remember listening to um, the Arsenal Vision podcast, and they were saying, you know, they they'd scouted him, and this is, you know, this is just amateur guys scouting a player, and they were saying the touch isn't good. Um, and there's 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 a lot of polish that needs to be had with that player. And now he's in the Premier League and, and he's on the struggle bus. I'm sure it might come good at some point, but is it going to come good to the level of £100 million? I don't know. So, you know, my, my long-winded point here is um, I think all three of these players are at a young enough age to where it's best to stay where you are if things are going well. All three of them are starting every single game. Arsenal are top of the Premier League by five points. I'm sure there's probably something quite exciting about being part of a younger setup. I mean, we've all, I don't know if we all have, but I've worked for companies where the average age is, you know, people in their 50s and I've been in my mid-20s. And then I've worked in my mid-20s where the average age of the staff is mid-20s. And there's a different vibe. It's more fun. You have more camaraderie. Like the, you see more opportunity in the business because you're like, well, shit, everybody's young here. This is just about, this is a pure meritocracy. You go to Manchester City, there's a, there's a talent meritocracy. Um, and there's also hierarchy. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is the boss. Uh, in, in those parts, you know, they've got very senior, very seasoned players. You don't really have that at Arsenal. I mean, how many of our players were playing regular World Cup games? Not many of them. Uh, you know, you've got Ben White getting sent home. You've got Ramsdale sitting on the bench. Um, Bakayo Saka is probably the, you know, 
the, the most seasoned international. And he's like, what, 21 years old? William Saliba got a, a 27-minute run against Tunisia. Um, so there must be a real fun, buzzy, uh, vibrant culture going on at Arsenal. And I, I just think it would be stupid for players of that age to give it all up for a slightly bigger paycheck. I mean, if you were, if if rumours are to be believed, I mean, let's be honest, Gabriel Martinelli is probably being offered 200 grand a week. William Saliba is probably being offered 140, 150, 160. And Saka is probably being offered 250. How much more rich do you want to be? You know, you don't need, you don't need the hero contract at that age. 150 grand a week is absolutely fine for Saliba. 200 grand a week is unbelievable for Gabriel Martinelli. That's probably paying a little bit above the odds. And I don't care what Saka gets. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he really is an absolute star boy. And, uh, you know, we should we should go all out to, to make him sign up. You know that there's not going to be a dip. There's not going to be an over dip there. So you know, I'm just glad that we're in a position where we can offer them what they want. But I think I think everybody at Arsenal is pretty calm about the three of them signing on. There isn't a better place in world football for them to be. There isn't a better coach for them to 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 train under. Um, so I would just like it if those deals were done a little bit earlier. Uh, the more stability that you have at a club, the, the the better. But again, like if if this was a concern, you'd see more headlines. Manchester City put their hat in the ring. Liverpool put their hat in the ring. I mean, we've already seen Barcelona. Um, Barcelona apparently were um, going behind the scenes to see what Saliba was all about this summer. If they didn't land their their main target. And um, there are rumours that they were also in for Gabriel Martinelli. I mean, it's monopoly money at Barcelona. Absolute joke. So um, maybe that's why they didn't get uh, any interest from the players, but I think Arsenal is the best place for for them to be, and I'm pretty sure that they're going to sign contracts before the end of the season. Well, I hope they do because we don't want to get into a situation where we're in a deep shit. Uh, and I also think once the first one goes, the rest of them will will go. They're probably all looking at each other's contracts, like that Spider Man meme, all pointing at each other um, just to check what the other person's getting. All right, so let's move on to another topic. Um, injury concerns. This is uh, this is Arteta's kryptonite. He likes to play players. He likes to take risks on fitness, and he doesn't get very lucky. Uh, you know, if if he takes a risk, generally it blows up in his face at some point. I spoke at the start of the show about Tomiyasu. We didn't look after him last season, and then he was out for five months, and that arguably was one of the parts um, that that cost us top four. I mean, you you just can't deal with a Cedric Suarez uh, filling in uh, at right back. We've got better options this season, but it's still better to have players fit. It's still better to not roll the dice. And it's better to have players that uh, are fit for the war. Um, and believe me, it's going to be a war heading into the back half of next season and having everybody fit and not having to rely on galaxy brain moves in and around the park is going to be key. So... Um, I would I, I would expect that the starting eleven against West Ham is probably going to be missing some players. I think that there will be um, there will be some shuffling around. Um, hopefully, the the spine of the squad is pretty strong, but I don't expect it to be a, a, a full starting eleven. And I think the issues that were had uh, Manchester City versus Liverpool will probably have Mikel Arteta double taking that he's not going to take a risk early on. 
um, you know, it's better to have players uh, that come back in for the for the Brighton and Newcastle game than you know blow out hamstrings and knees for the West Ham game just to get that result early doors. But really, we should have um, enough players fit. I mean, I don't think Declan Rice is going to play um, against Arsenal. I hope he doesn't, and then that makes our job a little bit easier. Like West Ham are in a in a rough patch at the moment, and uh, David Moyes, I think, is going to be lucky to hold on to his job. And let's remember when the form dipped for David Moyes. Remember that game last season where he had the opportunity to get to the Europa League final and everyone thought he was going to rest all these players against Arsenal so that they could go and smash up Frankfurt. And he didn't. He rolled the dice. He put a first team out. It rattled Arsenal for a little bit, but we got the result that we were looking for. And then David Moyes went out of the Europa League. and He hasn't been able to get West Ham back into good form since. I'm I'm not sure that he's... um, Summer signings have, have truly clicked. They've got a lot of injury issues um, piling up. Um, and Skamaka, remember Skamaka, who Arsenal were looking to sign? I mean, I do like him. I still think he's going to be a very good player. Hasn't banged uh, to the level that I thought he might do, but he's uh, he's still young, but it's going to be interesting to watch him develop. Um, needless to say, um, I think that I think that we should have enough to, to do West Ham with whatever starting 11 we put out. Um, I think... Emil Smith-Rowe is... I, I thought he was going to be ready to maybe sit on the bench for West Ham. I think I think the story seems to be that he's having good days and he's having bad days. Mikel Arteta spoke about him in the press conference before the, the game and said that his attitude's been great. Um, I think Arsenal have been sending him around the world to other sports clubs to speak to players and medical staff just to keep him inspired and motivated. I thought that was a really interesting snippet with how Arsenal are dealing with things. I mean, it's all very professional now, isn't it? It's all very professional. Every every single thing is considered. I mean, there would have been years gone by where a, a player just sits in the injury room and then he doesn't see uh, his teammates. He's maybe feels a little bit out in the cold. Maybe that slows down the injury return. But like sending Smith Rowe around the world to go to basketball teams, baseball teams, you know, maybe other clubs that sit in the the KSC portfolio just seems like a really thoughtful and smart thing to do. Um, so he he won't be back uh, for West Ham, but hopefully, you know, mid January, maybe he's firing on all cylinders, and we we forget this. Emil Smith Rowe felt like more of a star boy than Bakayo Saka for a short period of time. Like this really is uh, a classic Arsene Wenger, like a new signing coming back into the side. So. I'm 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 thrilled and I like I can't wait to see him back and if the stories are true but you know he's not feeling pain and that he's always felt pain in his career um that's great news that's great news for everybody like uh it, it's always high risk going in for a, an, an operation but when a player is sub sub 29 the the chances of healing are a lot higher um and you know the the science behind uh, injuries like that is is improved leaps and bounds uh, over the last few years. I mean, they're just getting smarter and smarter with the things that they can fix. So hopefully uh, Emil Smith-Rowe moves out of that sort of Abu Dhabi red zone because it's kind of felt like that he's sat in there. And actually more broadly, it feels like it feels like Arsenal got a few players that are living in that sort of Diaby world. I mean, it appears uh, Tommy Asu has always got problems Um it seems that Zinchenko is injured quite a lot. Thomas Partey is is also injured quite a lot. I'm a little bit alarmed that Gabriel Jesus is now playing on the regular and he's blown out a knee 
already. I mean, it's it's a bit of a nightmare. I mean, we've had a really good history. I think we've got a great medical team. I think the way that they um, manage the sports science of things is is brilliant. I mean, like Arsenal have a fit and fresh team, but we should do. You know, we've got um, got a lot of young players in this squad. You can't have uh, loads of inj- You can't have loads of players under the age of twenty four on there as injury prone as twenty nine year olds. So, I think we're in good shape there. But I don't expect to see um, Smith Rowe, but I do expect to see some juggling and maybe some precaution uh, going into the West Ham game. So. Um, hopefully we can manage that, and then uh, and then I think the 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 big one that I'm glad I'm on the podcast on my own for is uh, is Eddie. So Gabriel Jesus is out. There's talk that he might return for the Leicester game, which I think is like around the 17th of February. Um, I think that he might return a little bit earlier. I think Arsenal always put out a, a number that's a little bit further away. Um, so that if they come back, it's a little bit of a surprise. I think we also, I think Arteta also likes the th- the theatre of bringing injured players back um, to keep other managers guessing what he's going to do. But the next the next two months are all about Eddie for me. Like, how is he going to play? Like, Mikel Arteta talks about his incredible qualities. He has different qualities to Gabriel Jesus, and I think the I think people are overly harsh on him. And again, I'll go back to it. Darwin Nunes cost 100 million. That's a player that is around the same age, cost 100 million, and he's been absolutely shite. He's their number one striker for a Champions League team. He's been terrible. I don't think there are I don't think there are many second strikers in the Premier League that will be able to do what Eddie can do when he comes into the side. I think Arsenal fans need to see like the second coming. I think a lot of people were like really had their heels dug in that Eddie wasn't going to do a good job when he came into the side earlier on in the year. And you know what? He proved every single one of them wrong. It was embarrassing watching the carry on when people realized it wasn't League One Eddie, it's Premier League Eddie. And those same people uh, falling into the same trap with Eddie again. They're like, oh, you know, he should be doing more with his 10 minutes. It's like, listen, there aren't many strikers that can come on with 10 minutes and and do stuff in games that are won. You know, there weren't many games last season where we were chasing it and bringing Eddie on. And Eddie's said on podcasts, he said, I need rhythm. I need to play games. I need minutes. I need to feel uh, like I'm part of it. And another consideration is Eddie plays in second string teams quite a lot. I mean, like playing in the Europa League is not fun. And he's not playing in strong sides there. Um, and it's it's just not the same. You know, you don't get the same chances. You don't get the same speed of play. You probably don't get the same mood or atmosphere before a game. But now he's got his chance. And now he's got to make it happen. Like, I want to I wanna stop hearing people talking about Eddie Nketiah's 100k a week. I mean, for me, like, th- that is not a big amount of money for England's under tw- England under-21's record goal scorer. Um I think I think he's got a better goal scoring record uh, over the last fifteen games than Gabby Jesus anyway. So I expect him to do well. I expect him to show different qualities out on the pitch. I'm hoping that Arsenal Arsenal have trained to play with Eddie. You know, there were when when we used to have Giroud on the pitch, we'd take him off and then we'd be pinging in high balls to a short striker like. I think Arsenal need to adapt their play with Eddie. Like he's more, he'll, he'll hang off the shoulder a little bit, a little bit more. I think he's faster. 
So balls over the top might be um, a little bit more promising. He's more of a, a box player. I mean, he's an absolute killer in front of goal. Um, and he likes to hang around in the box a little bit more than Jesus. I mean, if there's a weakness with the Brazilian, it's sometimes that he drops too deep and then we don't have anyone up front. I mean, he, he obviously adds a lot and you know, he brings more out of, uh, of our wide players. But I'm fully expecting Eddie Nketiah to score goals. I mean, if he can get out of this phase scoring five goals, he's done a brilliant job and he's, he's, he's justified that contract. Um, and if he can get off to a good start, I mean, that's absolutely key. Like, we just need the goal. We just need the goal. I don't care how it goes in. If it is a back post one-yard finish from Eddie, that is brilliant. That's exactly what we want. Just bundle it in. The guy is a good finisher. He is the best finisher at Arsenal. I think Arsene Wenger said that he was one of the best finishers he'd ever seen when he was coming through the ranks. So don't don't get, don't don't underestimate him. Don't underestimate him. And, and what I'm glad about is that we've got such a great environment at the stadium that everyone's going to support him. And he's a young player. He needs confidence and he needs the fans to get behind him. And I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that as a fan base, we're in a different state where we're not going to groan at him. You remember like with Theo Walcott back in the day and we'd groan. Uh, Adebayor, we'd groan. Thierry Henry would give him the scowl. Um, hopefully we're not going to get that. But it's a, it's, a, it's a big two months for Eddie. It's a chance for him to really impress upon Arteta that he is a, he's a viable option. And when Jesus needs rest, Eddie can come in for three or four games and do a brilliant job. And, you know, like maybe there's a situation at some point where the the two of them play together in a in a little 442 number or something. I don't know. But I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be interesting. And I'm I'm really hoping that um he proves everybody wrong. Eddie Kruger showing up in Defenders Nightmares. Uh, let's uh let's talk about the the transfer stuff. Uh, have a little bit of tea. So we've been linked with Mudrik and we've spoken a lot about that on the Patreons and on the podcast in general. Seems like a very exciting player. Uh, it seems like he wants Arsenal and Arsenal only. He's been interviewed for TV by Zinchenko's wife. Um, no doubt there's been conversations going on behind the scenes between Zinchenko and Mudrik. Um, seems like he fits the profile. Uh, you know, 21 years old, um, massively high ceiling, got a lot of experience, a lot of minutes under the belt. Seems like he's got a weird character, um, but I, I think you know, Ukrainians are, are built different. I mean, we've seen, we've definitely seen that this year. But I think that sort of um, Eastern European, hardworking, aggressive mentality um, is going to go a long way in a, in a Mikel Arteta system. I mean, he he's, he places so much importance on his wide players' uh, ability to press, close down angles. And, and create opportunities out of nothing. And this player looks like he's got the power, looks like he's got the drive, and he the pace is just unbelievable. I'd love to see it in the Premier League. You never know when you're watching, you know, Ukrainian Premier League football, and you're like, is this fast or is this just fast for Ukraine? Um, but he looks lightning. And the good thing is, you know, we've seen him do it in European competition, uh, which is which is the truer test. And the other good thing is that Shakhtar Donetsk um, have played a a complex system with managers that play the same way as Arsenal. So you know that the intelligence is there to come into the system versus, you know, Jack Grealish um, going from a Stevie G system to a, a you know, a Pep Guardiola system. So you've, you've got that. But the the other player that has come on the radar, because Mudrik feels like it's going to happen. I mean, 
Shakhtar are, are, are in court at the moment trying to get 45 million out of FIFA. So I think the Shakhtar need the money is, is what I'm saying. And I think that, that that move will happen. The interesting one that's cropped up is Yao Felix. Uh, one of the, one of, one of, if not the most expensive teenage styling of all time, maybe just a bit behind um, Mbappe. But uh, Zhao Felix, a Benfica Academy prospect, went to play um, Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone. Um, he, he was like the replacement for Griezmann. I, I, don't, I don't understand why anybody would want to play under Diego Simeone if you have flair and creativity, because he's going to beat that out of you. I mean, just look at look at how Simeone used Thomas Partey, and now he's like this dynamic number six, eight, whatever you want. He's distributing the ball. There's one-touch passing. I mean, it's absolutely mesmerizing to watch, but when he was under Simeone, he was like lock and key. You're a defensive midfielder. Um, Xiao Felix has not done well uh, at Madrid. I mean, there was a, a lot of chatter. Firstly, that he could replace Griezmann. He hasn't. There was a lot of talk that he was going to take over the mantle from Cristiano Ronaldo. He hasn't, and he needs uh, an, a, a new a new career option. Now, Chelsea are supposed to be in the mix for him. There's a little bit of talk about Manchester United, um, but Arsenal are front runners, and Arsenal have um, had the more advanced talks, according to Duncan Castles. And Duncan Castles is a very connected um, journalist. And the, the story is that Atletico need the money to break even on an FFP. They're out of the Champions League. They're not having a good season. So getting him off the books, um, getting a loan fee of 8 million and having Arsenal pick up whatever his crazy wages are. Um, I mean, it seems like a viable idea. I'm just, I'm just not really sure what sort of position he would play. I mean, I, I don't think we're signing him to play a false nine role. I mean, we've got Eddie for that. But I guess having more quality and more flexibility um, in our wing positions is a is a good idea. Maybe Mikel Arteta is like Reese Nelson. I mean, he's probably not at the level, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, he's not at the level. Otherwise, he'd have a new deal. Um, Smith Rowe, maybe there's concern that he will have a stuttery start. Um, and then you've got Bakayo Saka and Gabriel, Gabriel Martinelli, who are absolutely essential to the system. And if they get injured, we're in trouble. So maybe it's a bit of an insurance policy to add more creativity. What I don't understand is, um, is Felix coming in as a loan option on his own? Or are we looking at Mudrik as well? Like It, it seems like quite a lot of money to, to spend on, on two wing positions when the first team spots are full. Um, but I guess if Arteta is chatting behind the scenes that he thinks that we could have a crack at the Premier League title, it's it's money well spent. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. And I think more broadly in world football, it's going to be interesting to see if this uh, impending global recession is going to affect football clubs. I feel like football is insulated, always. Everybody's like, oh, it's all going to go to shit, pandemic. Nothing really went to shit. But a lot of teams have taken out loans. A lot of teams uh, run on a lot of debt. And interest rates are really high. Um, cheap capital was hard to come by. The tech titans uh, of, of Silicon Valley have had their values collapse. I mean, Tesla's down a huge amount. Facebook's down a huge amount. Even Amazon is down a huge amount. 
it's hard to believe that football can just constantly ride out these financial storms. And I, I think just just the idea that Atletico are trying to ship out one of their hottest prospects on a loan deal in January tells you that something's brewing. And, you know, we've seen Barcelona, their, their, their dramatization of fucking themselves financially, the financial levers. We're going to pull lever number five. They pulled all the levers in the summer to create a pretty meh squad of players. And they didn't make it into the next round of the Champions League. And that will have financial consequences at some point. So uh, will the chickens come home to roost um, for some of these big clubs, especially the super clubs that wanted to be in the Super League, uh, who were all begging for money, who all spent too much money. And some of those clubs have been doing some dodgy, dodgy things. Let's be perfectly clear here. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Premier League's, you know, weighs in and, and, and picks up some of those pieces. I mean, Newcastle have got to be sniffing around Europe at the moment with their financial might. I mean, the richest club in the world is going to be identifying clubs in distress, players that are looking for moves. So that'll be interesting um, as well. But Felix Lone, a Felix Lone, I, I mean, I'll take it. I mean, I'm, like if, if Arsenal think that they can make this work, then why would I argue with them? Because they've been doing such a good job lately. And then uh, the the... The kind of last thing, like, um, you know, what, what to expect from the restart. I've, I've spoken about form of, of clubs, and I think that that's going to be really interesting. You know, Spurs have got a really difficult run in. Um, we've got some big top of the table clashes um, between like City and our rivals. I think City have got a lot, you know, a real run of hard games coming up over the next couple of months. And listen, they're equipped to, to win those games, but. I don't think I've been as convinced by City this season as I as I normally am. I mean, they're a Haaland injury away from problems, um, in, in my opinion. They do seem to get a lot of luck with injuries. But, but my expectations from the restart, or, or, or where am I where am I looking on the restart? So everybody's had this sort of like mid-season break, and you've got coaches like Graham Potter who need time on the training pitch to work things out. What are Chelsea going to be like on the restart? How's it going to, how's it going to work out? Um, from, from what I hear, it's a, it's a car crash at Chelsea. Like there's not a, there's not a real strategy going off. Like I think there are lots of competing strategies, which is never good. Um, you know, you've got an ownership group that don't know what they're doing um, in, in the world of football that think they know what they're doing. That You know, they want to be the biggest voices. You know, you've got Todd Bowley banging the table about what's wrong with the Premier League, all of that nonsense. Um, I think they've been very arrogant in their approach to um, how they take on the Premier League. And the best clubs in the Premier League, they have stability, they have strategy, and they have a very clear vision of where they're going. I don't know whether that's Chelsea at the moment. So it will be interesting to see, like, Graham Potter's a great coach. I think he's one of the top coaches in the Premier League. But what we don't know is how good is he with the mega egos? You know, he's, he's always created teams with very little and made them outperform. It's different. It's different when you work with, um, with mega stars. Like Carlo Ancelotti gets dumped with a bunch of average players and there's an average performance out the back end. And then he goes to Madrid and then he shows what he's all about. Carlo Ancelotti is built for the elite of the elite of the elite. He just knows how to get the best players playing well and cohesively and he's good at managing dressing rooms. We don't know what's going to happen with Graham Potter. Wasn't an ex-player. 
Um, so he doesn't have that to fall back on. I don't think World Cup winners are going to care that Graham Potter did a good job at Brighton. Um, so then it's the power of personality. And you know, I know a few Chelsea fans that have seen a lot of managers and they're not impressed by what they see at the moment. They think that he's he's taken the football backwards um, and they're, they're, they're concerned. And listen, Chelsea fans live in a world of short-termism. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in, in the second half of the season because it does have to get better. And we've already seen that this, this Todd Bowley group will fire managers indiscriminately just like the, their predecessor. And it'll also be interesting to see what Chelsea do in the January transfer winner because I would love it, absolutely love it, if they sign Cristiano Ronaldo. That would be delicious. And then that would show you that that project is going absolutely nowhere. Um, and then the the I'm, I'm looking at Spurs. I think Antonio Conte's got one year left on his deal. Um, he's a nightmare. Don't let any of those little Conte fans tell you that this is this is the guy that anybody wants to be working with. Um, he'll be sniffing around for a new club, one hundred percent. He's looking for that already. And if things go off the rails at Spurs, and there's always a high probability that it will under Antonio Conte, I think he could exit. Um, but he's also capable of things going the other way. That everything's under control. He gets lucky again, gets no injuries, and they're right at the table. So Spurs start um, in the second half of the season is going to be really interesting. I'd love to get a bit of distance between them, uh, a bit more distance, um, because they do worry me. Like This is the last roll of the dice for Spurs. They're in deep shit once he goes, but I really hope he doesn't have a, a good second half of the season run. I really hope Harry Kane comes back a little bit broken and... Uh, and you know he's not playing as much as he did uh, in the first half of the season. And then I think my uh, my two other watchouts, Manchester United. I think Ten Hag is a is a really good coach. Um, he's basically the technical director there, so he's got to be a good coach, but he's also got to be have a good eye for talent. Um, Ninety million on Anthony doesn't seem like good value to me. I mean, he's he's a good player, but ninety million seems like a lot of money to waste. But they're being linked with a lot of really good players. So um, the thing with Manchester United is there's always a, another £150 million under the mattress ready to spend on players. So they're going to come out swinging in January, no doubt. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. He's had more time with the players. You know, he plays this um, very cognitive style of football um, that worked really well for him at Ajax. I think he's organised. I think he looks like he's got the, um, the charisma and command of the media. And of the players, he's got rid of Cristiano, which is such a shame that um, Piers Morgan let Cristiano do that interview because he's an Arsenal fan. And now Cristiano is going to, Cristiano exiting is good for us, which is a shame. But um, so be interesting to see what happens there. And then the final one, the final dark horse is Newcastle United. Um, Eddie Howe is showing that he's a great manager. He's a really, really good manager. He's got Newcastle playing well. Um, they spent they spent good money, but it hasn't been like Abramovich when he arrived at Chelsea in 2003. You know, he's, they're being very strategic about um, how they do that. I think their technical director was at Brighton before. Very smart technical director. Um, and they're difficult. They're a difficult side to play. They've got some really good players. Isak will be back um, in you know, January onwards. Bruno... 
Uh, didn't play a lot of the World Cup, but we know that he's a, an awesome midfielder. And they've got a great defence. So ha- having them game three back is is going to be tough. And I, I really hope that Arteta has got players focused on that game. Like Newcastle fucked us last season. They ruined us. Like they, they, they put on a stunning performance in their last home game of the season at St. James's Park. And they put a stake in the map. They're going to be problematic. I think they're fighting for top four. Um, I hope that we're fighting for the Premier League and that we can forget about the top four. But I, I still think that you've got to remember, where, the, where is the target this season? Get into the Champions League. That is the most important thing. We, we've got five years to win the Premier League. This isn't our best chance. Don't listen to the people saying that it is. Don't listen to the people saying that you should spend 60 million on Dusan Vlahovic now. You don't need to do that. We need to make sure that we are, as Arteta said, maximizing every transfer window, but doing it with a long term in mind. But I think Newcastle are building for the long term, and I think that they're going to be a problem. And I think that there's going to be a bit of a reorganizing of the hierarchy in the Premier League. And my hope is is that it is Liverpool and Chelsea that are dropping out of the mixer because both of them have... um, Chelsea have changed ownership group and I don't think the new ownership group can hold a candle to Roman Abramovich's ability to spend or ability to be disciplined. And Liverpool um, have changed management style. Now it's all about King Klopp. Now it's all about his decisions, his people. And so far... It doesn't look like it did under Michael Edwards. It looks a little bit erratic. Um, it looks a little bit expensive. And it looks like it's going to be very difficult to fix. I mean, Liverpool starting with a loss against Manchester City is not great. Now, they've got a lot of players coming back into contention in the second half of the season. Um, they're a top side still. But uh, losing Mane in the summer looks like it's killed them a little bit. And not upgrading that midfield quick enough. Looks like that's a, there's a bit of a struggle there. And it just goes to show you, Liverpool, the best team in the world, uh, January through to May last year. And then they just take their eye off the ball a little bit and then things go downhill. The Premier League is utterly ruthless. All right. Okay, well, we've done 44 minutes. Can you believe that? Um, so I'm going to say goodbye. Um, I just want to say to all of our patrons, thank you so much um, for being here this year. You've been absolutely um outstanding like this 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 show wouldn't be anything um without you thank you for supporting us um we're going to be doing more sort of like solo stuff next year so you get a little bit of extra content coming in the door Uh, we're gonna get a little bit more organized so the three of us uh online more often thank you to everybody that watches the youtube channel thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast i mean ending the year um regularly getting into the the top 20 in america and the top 20 in the uk for podcasts when we're just a you know we're just club we're a club specific podcast and we've only been doing this uh for three years uh so it's a great honor that you spend time with us um on a on a weekly basis it's um yeah it's brilliant i mean you know it's and it's nice meeting you or when uh wherever i am in the world uh, wherever i'm in new york st louis la Someone always comes up to me if I'm in a bar watching Arsenal and they say, I've watched the podcast, it's really good. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's a real nice buzz. So thank you. And also thank you to anybody that gives us a little five-star rating. It is Christmas Eve. Um, so if you wanted to give us a gift of a five-star and you haven't so far, drop one in there. Um, okay, so I will be back with Johnny and Matt on Boxing Day. I mean, if this is Christmas Day and you're listening to it, it's Premier League Christmas Eve. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to sound. Um, So 
we'll be back live on the whistle. Um, have a have a delightful holiday uh, period. Thank you for listening. We can't wait to spend next year with you. This is going to be a golden year for Arsenal. Um, so have a good one. Love you loads. Speak to you later. Happy holidays. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.